Good afternoon, good morning, guten tag, bonsoir, or assuming the sigh, depending on uh, where you are in the world, you'll understand what I just said. Now, today we have a great podcast episode for you. It's the wonderful Ben Clover. Now, Ben Clover is a comedian who I bumped into in Edinburgh during the Fringe. He's someone I went to see just completely on a whim. Uh, I just saw that he was uh, flying around while I was trying to go and see someone else, and I decided, actually, I'm going to go and see him instead. Uh, so he came on the pod and gave us a full episode, basically, which I was not expecting. He was also, uh, at one point, just going to come on the Edinburgh Fringe special and just do a little bit, but we decided to go for it. Uh, it was a bit of a noisy day in Edinburgh, so there's a lot of background noise. I can get rid of as much of it as I can, but you want to hear the festival in the background, don't you? You want to hear that vibe? You don't want me to cut it all out and make it all sound like it's in the toilet? Of course not. So don't complain about the noise quality, please, with these Edinburgh ones. There's a few more to come uh, in the future, so uh, we'll uh, make them as good as we can, but uh, it's all part of it, isn't it? Now, this week, I don't have much to rant about like last week, but I do want to say uh, something positive about a company, and this company is Riverside FM. Now, I don't know why it's called FM, because it's not a radio station. It's an alternative to Zoom. It's what I use for remote records. Uh, I was using one the other day for a future guest, and it all went wrong. Uh, in other words, I only had my side of the conversation. And there was no sign of the file. No sign of it. And they couldn't find it uh, on the person's computer. It wasn't showing up. So I sort of freaked out and thought, fuck it. Another company I'm going to have to diss and, uh, you know, get my uh, money back from and move. But man, I don't know what they did overnight, but they found the file, they joined it together, they sent it to me in the morning, and it was the best customer service I've received in a very, very long time. Maybe that's because uh, it seemed to me that this uh, customer service was in America, which of course has way better customer service than we have here in the UK, without a doubt. Uh, I want to give a sort of a go fuck yourself and a positive shout out at the same time to Moose Coffee in Manchester. We had a pretty awful experience there. Uh, I used to love going there. I will probably go there again after this experience and try and check out if it's changed. They apparently had a manager they didn't like and uh, the quality of everything went down. And so we went there with the kids and it was a, just a shitty meal in Manchester. Everything was kind of cold, overpriced and just nonsense really. Felt like uh, we were eating garbage. So I got in contact via company's house. I found out who owned it, found his Instagram and just basically contacted him directly. And it was a little bit awkward, but eventually uh, pretty sharpish. I got a full refund for that meal. So, you know, in that way, I've got to congratulate them for coming through and, and apologising and explaining why the meal was bad. Uh, and they just gave us all the money back, which uh, I didn't want. I don't want all this money back from them and fucking holiday in. I want to have nice experiences. I, I want you to keep your money and give me what I asked for. I don't want refunds because that's like a fuck about, isn't it? It's like I'm in America taking clothes back to the store every five minutes. I hate all that. I want to pay the money. The money's gone. I want to have a nice experience. But if it's shit... I will fight for it back. And I guess that's why I'm sort of stuck in this mindset when uh, the recording went wrong the other day. I thought, oh, here we go again. But uh, luckily, they came through and I'm pretty impressed and I ain't moving because those guys did a fantastic job in retrieving that file. Uh, if that's boring for you, I do apologise. Uh, just saying my piece. The only other thing I wanted to say is thank you to my friend. Uh, I'm not going to put names on here, but, you know, she sort of bigs me up now and again when I'm feeling a bit sort of like, oh, my God, there's like a million podcasts. Who's listening? Why am I doing this? Who am I? Who, who fucking cares? And, you know, uh, I had a quite a good conversation this week about a... Uh, adaptation of my book, should I say, into something else with somebody. And uh, that spurred me forward to uh, start work on that project soon as well. So I can't really talk about that yet. But uh, yeah, 
Stay tuned for that. So anyway, I want to get straight on to Ben Clover. He was a fantastic act to see in Edinburgh. It was the first act I saw. Went in the room, he just commanded the room, had everyone laughing. It was just brilliant. It was like being stuck in a room with a really funny guy for an hour. And uh, and then he sort of came over and sat at a table and we did this record. So this is Ben Clover, wonderful comedian. He used to work in the medical field, albeit as a journalist, thus proving the trifecta of previous jobs of comedians to be true yet again. The old lawyer teacher or working in some way in the medical profession as Ben does <laughs> and uh, here he is eight pounds for the fucking toaster are you joking mate roll up roll up welcome to television times a weekly podcast with your host me steve otis gunn we'll be discussing television in all its glorious forms from my childhood your childhood the last 10 years even what's on right now so join me as I talk to people you do know and people you don't about what scared them, what inspired them and what made them laugh and cry here on Television Times. Uh, you went full-time comedy in 2020, is that true? Mild, mild exaggeration. Oh, mild I went, exaggeration. I went um, part-time, so my, my day job was I'm a journalist covering the healthcare sector. And so early March 2020 was a weird time to uh, swap some healthcare reporting yeah, for yeah, yeah. some live live stand-up comedy work. Yeah. Uh, it really was, like, yeah. It was it really showed up the, uh, the dichotomy in my working life, really. Yeah, so that is you, because I'd searched you on Google and it came up and there was some medical stuff, and I thought, yeah. oh, maybe that's... A, you know how they sometimes get the photo wrong? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, there's still, still quite old pictures of me from, like, bylines and stuff where I look much less like a homeless three musketeer than I do now. Yes, uh, I've seen a few photos. But yeah, that's my, this is my, my COVID look and like I say, I'm sticking to it. Yeah, I'm, stick to it. I'm doing my recording, my, my show on uh, Thursday. Yeah. And uh, I was thinking like, so recording with multiple cameras, it'll look real nice. I think you basically, you need lots of viral little TikTok clips these mm. days. So I was thinking of doing a comedian destroys heckler five second clip, right? But mm -hmm. when you click it, it'll just be me in a headlock, someone home me in a headlock and someone just shaving my head uh, and then it'll cut um, and I thought like, ah, that'd be quite funny, everyone was told the idea so it was like, ah, that'd yeah, be yeah. quite funny and it was like, but this did take me four years to grow then you got to shave your head yeah, and like, is it worth it for a five second uh, is joke? is there a way of doing it fake? like, like put a skull cap on and, and I think I'm a, a dummy or something or yeah, a kind of shaving you, I mean some... I shaved my head in lockdown and I, I don't look good with shaving I mean, I look alright, but I look like a thug Oh, OK, yeah, that's good, like, that's great. Well, people leave you alone a bit. You know, I look like an orphan, <laughs> so people don't leave you alone when you're an orphan. Well, your parents do. Yeah, totally yeah. on that. I, I, want to, I wanted to call my show. Sorry, this is really not going to come across in that's a right, oral, right. at a, yeah. a non-visual format. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, that's like, right. I wanted to call my show Shipwrecked Twink because, like, you know, I am fairly skinny, but I do look like I've been trapped on a desert island for like some 15 years. But people are like, nah, I don't know. I've been told like, no, no, ottery. Anyway, yeah. So when I saw your picture of you with short hair, it was like, oh, that doesn't even look like you. It's like, no, it's, it's doesn't doesn't work. Can't stand that guy. <laughs> Well, yeah. he did put the hours in, to be yeah, fair. Yeah. He did put the hours in. And it's nice to sort of reinvent yourself. Who's this, who's this brand new guy who seems strangely assured <laughs> do, but do looks people... very different? Yeah, oh, quite really? a lot of people. Really? When, you, when I first came back over COVID, when we all did yeah, after, yeah. after lockdowns, people would be like, who? Oh, it's Ben. Oh, hi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it took him a while. Wow. So, are you um, into television in any yeah. way or form? Or yeah, 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 yeah. Bad, bad choice if not. Um, so, did <laughs> you watch Strictly Theatre? Strictly Theatre. Only, only straight plays. <laughs> Basically, 
People disagree about whether we are still in or are long since past the golden age of TV drama, right? But kind of, some people kind of like, ah, yeah, it's all gone. Kind of, you know, uh, The Wire was 15 years ago, whatever. But like, I thought like, all right, hmm. let's, um, let's finally watch The Deuce. You know the juice. It's on my list. That's the yeah. uh, David Simon TV David show. David Simon, right? which I've seen. You think yeah. like you're gonna you'll you'll take the punt on David Simon, right? Oh. That'll be like yeah, you know, it'd be great because I missed out on Tremay. Yeah, and I, I think he even Tremay. did a version of the plot against America, like the I Philip Roth fantastic. novel. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, bet yeah. it would be. Yeah, yeah, I bet yeah. it would be. He talked about uh, an interview, kind of going like, "Ah, oh, so he finally got into this is when Philip Roth was still alive." Hmm. Kind of going like, "Yeah, okay, yeah, David Simon can do it." And she's like, "This is amazing." I thought like, "I'm gonna." He said, "I'll drive you around New Jersey, yeah. right, and you'll get you'll get like the Philip Roth tour, the fucking New Jersey, you know." Yeah. Uh, and then he died, and he didn't yeah. get it. Um, but no, I'd love to. I'd love to see that. But no, I thought I'll give um, the juice a go. Yeah, uh, really, really good. And then somehow, I just couldn't. I've not watched all of it, basically. Oh, right. It should really have kept going. I don't know. I don't know why. Maybe. But it's about sex industry. Is it like Boogie yeah, Night sexual, a, or is it? Yeah, it's sort more... of. It's very like like I think a lot of Dave Simon stuff. It's very much. He's a journalist, former journalist yes, as well, yeah, and yeah. he's all about the detail. And the detail is mm. where the fun is. Oh, like yeah, where yeah. the interesting stuff is. And they, so it's broadly about the sex trade in New York mm. and sort of the birth of the modern pornography yeah. industry. I always think like the, the closest equivalent in British terms to the um, to the really great David Simon stuff is, is like Island World Productions. It's a mm. guy called Tony Garnett. So I'm thinking like sort of naughty stuff, really sort of like cops. They did one like it's basically hyper realistic. Yeah, uh, cardiac arrest. Nineties, uh, even, okay, and this right. one was the most the recent one was called. Well, no, he's it's by the same guy that did Line of Duty. Oh right, um, okay. But he's yeah. a, he used to be a doctor, yeah, so yeah, he did yeah. this absolutely terrifying one. It's all about a maternity unit, about a dysfunctional maternity unit, and like the absolute commitment to detail. And they, and it's one of these things. Where, so he did one about the police, a couple about hospitals, and yeah. um, and you can tell when something is accurate when it's the actual truth. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because the professional bodies, so the police federation. British Medical right. Association, World College of they all complain, right. going, oh, this is completely inaccurate. You've depicted uh, the oh, way the health service works. Oh, is so wordy? Just because it's, ba it's bang on, sure. like, procedural. Right, yeah, like, yeah. Concept, very... When you actually speak to, like, like doctors or, or like, police yeah, yeah. officers, kind of, like, you go, like, so is it is it realistic, that show? They're like, it's the most realistic mm. show you've ever seen in your life. Really? Tony Gardner's dead now, but he did all this amazing stuff. Wow. He did uh, Between the Lines, yeah. like, the classic police uh, corruption drama. And he was quite honest about it. He sort of he pioneered what people now think of as like the Game of Thrones approach. Kind of go, look, this is quite heavy stuff. Stuff about, you know, uh, police corruption yeah. and all of the social issues that exposes. So it um, can be a bit heavy. So throw some sex in there. So there'd be like loads of, and they were very upfront about it, kind of like, it's quite gratuitous. Yeah, <laughs> They're kind yeah. of like, so like, yeah, he's a flawed um, police corruption investigator, but he shags loads of people. Right. And like the Game of Thrones people, I think, refined this to the point where they called it sex position. Yeah. I don't really think it's good that there was a guy and his, his job was to kind of go, hey, can we throw in just nudity here? <laughs> really? He was like the consultant, the sort of like the Mamaries wow. consultant. Mamaries um, consultant. And then as time goes on, it just sort of like, it takes off. Like, I, I only started reading the books because I couldn't wait to find out what the next thing to happen was. Oh, right. And like, when I read the books, I was like, like, no offence to the guy, because in one way he's a great writer, but kind of like, this, the prose is awful, like a lot of the time. Is I it? remember there's one, one chapter in one of it where they re repeat the phrase, extremely strong cider, like 15 times in one chapter. And it's like, uh, is, this, is this a joke? <laughs> I mean, it's like terrible prose, yeah, yeah. but like, 
Jesus Christ. Go back and use a different word, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah like, get a fessorus, dude. But, yeah, like, yeah. but, but, full credit to him, the man can plot the shit out of something. Yeah. Like, but I remember, like, being on Guildford train station and having to close book and going, no fucking way, man. Yeah. Kind of like, yeah. The, the man can twist. Wow. It's only my point was that kind of like I think they retired the um, uh, Doctor Jugs, uh, the, the script guy, right. because the rest of the plotting was starting to kind of really click into gear. Right, so right. people didn't need to be enticed by flesh. Phones in the first series of The Wire. It's surreal. <laughs> That's what's about, There's it? a whole payphone <laughs> yeah, thing. But they still have those in America, don't they? Because Do they? they still have uh, the sort of Bell Telephone Corporation. They've got. I feel like they're sort of always been a little bit behind. You know, like we had um, texts in like 1993, I think, and America got texts in like 2000 and something. And they never did chip and pin or they, something. Oh fuck no! I was there uh, not that long ago, 2018 or something. I tried to buy something uh, in Arizona with a with a chip and pin, and they were like, "I said, can I chip?" And what pin? are you doing? They, 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 they must think we're very lordly for kind of just going like. Ding! Yeah. Kind of the tap oh, it like a phone. wand. Like, <laughs> buddy, you need to you need to write out a. Yeah, well, my wife bought some something. She had to slide her card and sign. I mean, it's still quite, I guess, modernish. She had to sign on that, you know, that fucking tablet. So I'm not uh, getting married. No, I no. just want some gum. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I remember when I was a local newspaper reporter. Those like payphones were dead, mm -hmm. but they were of a lot of use to drug dealers because oh. you can't be got on CCTV. Well, it kind of there's some bits of Brixton where. You go into the payphone and go like, you know, can't actually get me on your CCTV. Oh, right, so right, the right. council like, right, we've got to get rid of these payphones. No one really? uses them. And BT were like, the fuck you will, right? Mm. Because we make loads of money from just putting advertising on the side of them. This free flight chat's all very well, but let's get on with a question. What's the first thing that scared him? That's what I want to know. <laughs> well, in a cliche term, it might have been Doctor Who. So this is Sylvester McCoy era. Like, I'm a huge Doctor Who fan. Okay. But I've sort of not really kept up with all of the most recent your stuff. Doctor. Well, he was when I was a kid, although yeah. uh, we were fortunate enough to be middle class enough that Dad bought us loads of... He would just for birthdays and Christmases, you'd go yeah. and buy the really nicely packaged BBC VHSs, yeah, yeah, yeah. which there's a lot of Tom Baker about. Oh, my God, yeah, you used of, to get... And they'd spell the... What I'm saying here is that when you lined up all the VHSs in the line, it would spell out the Doctor Who logo. Oh, really? Oh, I never... Well, yeah, I just yeah, stacked them in a pile. Oh, no, I, never I really remember, saw like, my it. Red Dwarf ones. You'd have to buy one every, like, three months or something, yeah, and then there'd be two yeah. on each, and they'd be, like... Yeah. You'd get all six of them. It takes up a lot of real estate in your house. And they were yeah. absolutely lovely. But, like, but like, I don't know, that might not have been the earliest one, because I, see, I'd only dimly remember this, and memory's a tricky thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it might just be that I've now imagined the story my dad told me, but apparently when I was very young, mm -hmm. I watched... Top of the Pops, and uh -huh. the Human League were singing Don't You Want Me, Baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and apparently this scared slash upset me to the point really? that I tearfully complained to my parents that there was a man on TV who didn't want his baby. Uh, oh. And that's what a pussy I've always been. Now let's jump a few minutes ahead where we actually remembered the singer's name. Phil Oakley. Phil Oakley. Yeah, Phil yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he had the hair. And I guess that could also look a bit scary as a kid. Yeah, I, maybe I thought it was Hitler. I don't know. <laughs> kind of... 
He doesn't look like that now. Does he not? No, no. It'd be a very cruel trick to go completely bald but still have the Hitler kind of. I think he might be able to just grow the one. Wow. Just the one strand. Yeah, you'd be surprised what he looks like now. Yeah, I remember sort of pop stars and stuff like. I remember because I grew up in the 70s and 80s, so I still sort of have slight visions of like glam rock kind of creepiness. Probably around like the presenters on top of the pops. I was never really asked to watch it, but but it was always someone fucking creepy on there. I was probably just having my like, you know, pervert radar up. And they, I was probably right about You've got great instincts. Yeah, 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 yeah great all, instincts. Could you imagine all the people that were on there? Yeah, all, I think that, dead or in jail. Or... There's a great show in this, right? Kind of like <laughs> someone someone discovers that this child has a magical power to just tell a wrong and listen yeah. to any kind of. It would be like Doogie Howser, but with pedos. <laughs> Doogie Howser. Um, yeah, like a sort of sniffer dog yeah. sniffing out pedos. <laughs> he can't do that. No, not now, not ever. Pedo Patrol. It's yeah. really good cool the 70s nonsiness, kind of like... Uh, one of the things I did watch in the... Um, there, there was... Yeah, I saw, I saw someone write, writing about it, and I was like, ah, oh, yeah, I remember enjoying Life on Mars. Let's have a little look at Life on Mars. And it was, again... Um, and it was surreal, because it was like, you know, it was 2020, and you're watching a show made in the noughties about, about the 70s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, and what I found sort of funny about it was like... But, I think it was before all the U-Tree stuff were kind of broken. Right. Um, so this guy's gone back in time and he's just missed having all this crucial knowledge to bust all of these people who could have changed the course of history, but kind of, But he's just missed having yeah, that yeah, knowledge. Yeah. Um, even though I, I think the various inquiries said lots of senior people were well aware of all this shit and just yeah, never, yeah, never dealt with it. But one of the things I found really interesting was like, with a 2020 lens, sorry, from watching it in 2020, not a uh, powerful, anyway. Uh, he goes back from the, from the noughties, right? Mm-hmm. But it's interesting to see what's now sort of unacceptable now oh, he needs a picture. in he needs... the noughties, yeah. right? Because like, there's a bit where... So he's... Um, the John Sim character is like, I don't know, DCI or something. Yeah. But he's having like a relationship with like one of the DCs. And he's like, you couldn't do that now. You know, kind of that sort of power imbalance is, yeah, is yeah, yeah, fairly yeah. recently not yeah, allowed. Yeah, yeah. But also, you couldn't update Life on Mars past the 80s because there aren't any good David Bowie songs from the 90s. Or oh, the well, that's contestable. Well, you could have a, a one where someone goes back to the 90s and it's called Little Wonder or something. <laughs> you, little Wonder, Little Wonder, you. <laughs> Hello, mm. Space Boy. Can't Hello, like... Space Boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Well, that could work. That could personally. work. Talking of creepy things, the, you know the test card? The girl with the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That freaked the fuck out yeah, of me as a child. Yeah, yeah. I hated it. I, apparently, I used to hide under the bed from it. I was talking to my mum in around, was that, early 2000, said 2001, 2003? Yeah, around like that. Yeah, yeah. I'm not talking about the year the test card came out. I'm actually still talking about life on Mars. And I remember asking my mum, did something terrible happen while the test card was on? Because I'm sure if I was hypnotised, something's going to flag up. And she went, I'm not that I know of. And I'm like, but why am I so fucking scared of it then? I think, a, I think lots of people pretend to be afraid of clowns, but I think there is something... Oh. Do you remember there was a phase of people going kind of like, I'm afraid of clowns, just like, stop. Nobody <laughs> likes clowns. For a little like, while, it's it like was gluten. a new IBS. Right. People kind of pretending it was just an attempt to seem interesting, but I don't, I don't, I don't doubt it. Kind yeah. of, it just seems yeah. like it took root way before. Yeah. But I mean, like, his eyes were sort of crossed out. And, like, yes, they were and just why slant- would a smiling child be playing noughts and crosses on a yeah. blackboard with a with at best I think a it was, dead clown. It was more like her kind of oh, I don't want really to think about it. Her, oh, her, sorry. her <laughs> turning towards the screen. It wasn't I don't think it was the puppet or the clown for me. It was the girl. She looked fucking creepy like that smile. Yeah, because he's not sat up straight like he's alive. He's sat to the side like he's like, well 
he's dead. And who killed him? There's literally one suspect. And she's looking at you kind of like, you're next. Watch this show, Wolf. I guess we will continue. Oh, we watched that. Yeah. yeah. At the time of recording, I had only seen one episode of Wolf, and I can tell you now, after seeing the whole thing, holy shit, what a show! One of the best BBC things for years. Have you seen all of it? I've seen, I've seen like the second half. All right. I was almost out. It was brilliant. It reminded me of Utopia, that Channel Four show. The uh, brutality of it. I could talk about that for yeah, hours. Yeah, yeah, I love yeah, that. Yeah. Now I've got kids. It's different. Like. When Utopia was out, did I have kids? Maybe not, or maybe just about. No, I didn't. And when he went in and did that school shooting thing. Um, yeah, well, that was like the ask, very first scene yeah. of Utopia. Oh, God. Has go um, them go. Sorry, did you do spoiler alerts? Or kind of. Oh, no, no, this is a spoiler show. Yeah, cool, We're talking cool, about cool. television. We, yeah, they haven't been, seen it. Been don't, don't listen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a decade ago. So not the like, Australian show about um, nation building Australia. That's also called Utopia. Oh, that really? One. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty ballsy. <laughs> um, no, the very first scene of the British Utopia. Utopia has there's a sort of comic book that's vital to the plot you yes, remember yes. like uh, and that amazing villain and he kind of like where is Jessica Hyde yeah. that oh, guy yeah. amazing he kind of comes in and like kills everyone and shot and this like six year old boy yeah, is yeah. hiding under a thing and then you see him put the and then he, it's always kind of like it was a ghastly kind of like um, I remember like I fucking loved Utopia I thought it was a great great yeah, show too, and I was too. trying to persuade my dad to watch it I was like what do you think he was like yeah I turned it off I didn't I don't like to see a child be killed. Yeah, it's like, oh, right, don't make it sound like I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. Kind of, but yeah, I think it probably does change it. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't know if I'd look at that. And I, weirdly, that guy, Neil Maskell, he still scares me because of that show. So he turned up in like, he turned up in a comedy with, um, yeah, 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 with yeah. Dylan Moran. And it was like, I can't, isn't he in King Gary as well? I'm not sure. I, I was meant to be. see that. I didn't, I never saw it. Like, they, they sort of play with that at the start yeah. of the second season. Right. You see, actually, his wife is Philomena. Kunk, right, but you see yeah, her kind yeah. of come in. I think like, maybe she's there with her kid or something, mm. and you see him coming and you go, like, Oh my god, this guy's uh, a murderer and a killer. And mm. you see him kind of coming in with his bag. Mm. And I think he pulls oh, out yeah. some, I don't know, flowers or something yeah. because he has, has actually sort of changed. Kind of like, one of the things I thought was amazing in, um, in Utopia, and it also I can't believe it's the same guy that wrote Matilda or did the, the book for the stage show of Matilda. Really? Yeah, what's his name? Um, That's insane. I bought a book of his plays. Really interesting guy, Dennis Kelly. I love the musician. He does all the music for it. Minchin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But the, um, sorry. No, sorry. Uh, Utopia, not Minchin. Um, not, uh, your, not your lookalike. <laughs> the music for Utopia was composed by Cristobal Tapia de Vere, who incidentally also did all the music for The White Lotus. You know, like the villain speech theory? Well, you're talking about Utopia, sir. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like, so I think there's a thing, I read some bit of film criticism about kind of like, always the most interesting yeah. bit of most Hollywood films is yeah. the villain's speech. Because right. that's the bit that offers the critique of society. Because okay, yeah, yeah, the yeah. hero goes like, hey, I've got a really strong jaw and symmetrical features. Mm. And why are you being so awful, yeah. foreign-looking baddie? And yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. Ah, James Bond. It's yeah, funny yeah. you should ask that, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Mr. Whoever, because look around you. <laughs> so, like, uh, the amazing example is, like, from The Third Man, when they're up in the mm. uh, in a big wheel. It kind of goes like, would you really care if any of those ants down there stopped moving. Mm. It's kind of, you know, sets mm. out basically the critique of society. And the more powerful it is, yeah. the more dangerous and compelling the villain is normally. Yeah, yeah. The villain's just kind of like, you know why? Because <laughs> I'm a bad dude. Yeah. You know, that's just not that compelling. But the villain's speech in Utopia um, is so good. Mm. It's so compelling that an absolute key character who you absolutely love mm. goes, no, he's got a point. 
I'm on your side yeah. now. Like, yeah, I remember I, got, I went back to rewatch parts like, because they I think did... I will have to rewatch it now. Was it 10 years ago or something? Well, yeah, at least. At two least. seasons, right? Two seasons. Two seasons and yeah, cancel. And then they really wrapped it and an American remake. Oh, yeah. Did you watch that? I watched the first episode and was like, you've bulls this right from mm. the off. Although, when I went back to um, rewatch Utopia, I, th- I think they had it on Amazon Prime or something, they'd cut the scene that appalled my dad. Really? It went straight in on something else. It's like, oh, you pussy. Ah. like, what else have you kept from us, Amazon Prime? Like, are there loads of orc breasts in the rings of they power do it that you all cut? The time. Like, a Netflix has cut this. Not that I want episodes. to see orc breasts, to be oh, clear, yeah. but I'm just like. I love Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and there's like five episodes missing <laughs> from, from Netflix because they weren't. I'm surprised they got that many through. Yeah, <laughs> oh, <no>, right. <laughs> Exactly. I loved Utopia. I loved the colour of it, the yellowness, the music, so important. The music was fucking absolutely bang on. Every single performance absolutely slapped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I remember that was my favourite TV show for a very long time. But it's a weird thing to go around and say, my favourite TV show is this horrible thing with. It's it's just unyielding. It's just Mm. like unsparing, right? Mm. So kind of like, and again, like, you know, there's no spoilers, spoilers in the show, but, but but the, I was about to say, best man speech the villain speech yeah. is when he goes look a hundred years ago there were less than a billion people on the planet mm. kind of in like in 1977 yeah, still yeah. less than two billion it's now 7.5 right? and we're going to smash through 10 how good do you think people are at sharing right this is the humane thing to do, is to release the virus that stops everyone, like, yeah, you know, bring, brings the everyone's number of kids down to, <clears throat> kind of like, because like, and there's a bit like where the guy who comes up with the virus kind of goes, I think it's from the, the Balkans, and he says, like, I saw in the 90s, and kind of like, and like, I've seen what people are like when they think they're going to lose everything. Yeah. So it's the best villain speech ever, because it makes fucking sense, like, this is the humane thing to, yeah, it yeah. involves doing some fucking awful things in the meantime yeah. and it comes right down to I can't remember the name of the guy but like he's sort of the main character the, the glasses guy and the, the baddie is going to release the gas and he's never killed anyone and he's yeah, a yeah. normal person who would find the idea of killing someone abhorrent yeah, yeah, you know because yeah. he's not doctrinaire at all and it's just kind of like look what do you believe what are your responsibilities to other people, you know, because all of the baddies sort of have a kind of defensible or at least mm. logical moral code, yeah. as does he. And when he does have to off this guy, he is like, it doesn't sort of, it, like, people say in like The Wire and stuff, they show the consequences of violence. They yeah. show sort of like, they don't sugarcoat it. I think it's one of the most irresponsible things like entertainment does. It's like sort of the, the cowboy style, like, and he just clutches his stomach and kind of yeah, like, yeah, yeah. it doesn't show him someone like shot through the neck and wheezing his last yeah, for 50 minutes. Yeah, I don't like minutes, seeing that. Or someone, uh, gosh, uh, yeah, like, yeah. The most horrible thing I ever it's saw, horrible. I think probably was, did you see Deadwood? Yeah. Remember the you fight in Deadwood? Deadwood? Yeah, yeah. I like watched that. The film fight with like the, um, like the enormous guy and like the fight with Dan Kuzminski. He's called Dan Kuzminski. I don't know why I remember that. But anyway, yeah. uh, this just fight was like, it was so powerful. Uh, and powerful as yeah. in, in the sense of like a corrective yeah. in terms of like, that's what real life fights to the death are. And then, yeah, you know, yeah, I was yeah. in the SAS race, I've killed dozens of guys, and like, I could say that from a position. <laughs> no, like, you know, it really, like, I'm not, I've shown it to some people specifically to go kind yeah. of like, that's what it's like. Yeah. Like, kind of, from what you read, anyway, mm. kind of like, 
and it's sort of irresponsible to show kind of like easy or quick or yeah, yeah, yeah. And, the, and, the, and the guy that's done it he has to then sit in the bath for two days solid and is never the same yeah I'm interested to see how the show Wolf will go because um, that left me feeling a little bit unnerved and I did feel like it had utopia vibes so I guess maybe I'll keep watching I missed the first half and I got quite into it and I loved that you must have met them at this point in it so I don't think I'm spoiling it for you but like DIs, Molina, and... Oh, I knew they weren't placed immediately because oh, they didn't yeah, show their but badge. Like, yeah. But that's, like, that's one of yeah. the great villains from Game of Thrones right, right. and one of the great villains from Doctor Who. Right. Like, that was the guy who was the master. Oh, right. And like, those are both fucking star hmm. charisma villain turns. show you would erase from the past so nobody on earth ever knew it existed and they'd forget the memory men in black star and one that you'd bring back from the dead oh so 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 something that i consider so abhorrent that i would remove it from the record yeah and uh, everyone will forget it tomorrow all right the news <laughs> and then i'd be the only person that had lots of information yeah. that could make a what fortune on the stock market um no something that i hate uh that i consider an active blot on on the body politic good question um, it could be something popular that everyone loves that you just think has made them more stupid it could be things obvious like the black and white minstrels yeah whatever things that have made us more stupid what I was curious about the black and white minstrel show was like was it was it after you mentioned of colour TV I know this because it's come up before and I, I, I'm absolutely appalled at how long it went the last black and white minstrels Christmas show on ITV was 1981 bloody hell and colour TV came in this country in 1970 bloody hell <laughs> Um, <laughs> fucking Star Wars had already happened. Do you know what I mean? Raiders of Lost Ark was the big box office draw that summer. Right. Well, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, is that no? Temple of Doom is the more problematic. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Indiana well, Jones. All, but the, yeah. Uh, I forgot if, a few of those things. It's when you think of the formula for Indiana Jones. I know this is a TV program, That's but, right. but when you think of the formula for Indiana Jones and his name, yeah. it's kind of like, take an American state and then a Welsh surname. Yeah, it's a bit Stephen Toast <laughs> these so days. And that's kind you go like... Rhode Island Smith or whatever yeah. kind of um, or Griffith um, reminds me of a pizza place I saw here say Tony Macaroni oh, it made me laugh when I saw that is that real? I don't but I think that's not going to be good is it? this is like there's this Mexican place near us. It's really good, really, really good Mexican food. And it's yeah, called yeah. Cheeky Chicos. Right, right. As in, like, Cheeky Boys. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the food's really good. But I thought we'd move past the thing with, like, Mexican food. Because mm. like, I remember, I've always liked Mexican food. Me too. But all the places, all the restaurants always called things like, El Loco, Bang, 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 Father Gun, and yeah. It's kind of like, Loco, Toco. Yeah. I've never been to Mexico, but I imagine that's a flat out racist descriptive. Yeah, pretty much, isn't it? The thing. And I always found it a bit surprising with, like, Maybe it's just something about Elephant and Castle, because, like, there's also a really good pizza place. But, like, I can't remember, a pizza papagoni, but, like, all of the decor is real kind of, like, super ripe Italian stereotypes. of yeah, like, yeah. a guy going, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like an like, Irish pub of Italian pizza and, joints. Like, pictures of Frank Sinatra and, and the <laughs> Godfather and all this. is like, dude... Come on. Like maybe it turns out there is no bamboo in Vietnam and like the Vietnamese restaurants are also leaning in really hard. Anyway, some of the things about when I think about like the legacies of British and French colonialism, which obviously have a checkered and often bloody past um, throughout well, you know, almost entirely bloody uh, throughout the twentieth century. You kind of think like, well, if you're going to choose which colonial power to be colonized by, at least France is going to leave you a bit more of a food culture. 
Oh, really? Well, yeah. They're, um, uh, it's all... When I was a kid, we went to Europe, and all I remember was having baguettes with laughing cow cheese. And when I went to Vietnam, they have these little, like, carts selling laughing cow, exact laughing cow, in baguettes, and they call it France Pan in Vietnamese. France Pan, I like that word. There was a bit during the bad cow crisis mm. where they had to change the packaging of the, of the laughing cow. Uh, was France. that one of the pasteurised or...? Um, no, no, it's just because they said the French were concerned that people would see the laughing cow and think she was laughing not because she was happy, but because she was mad. Oh. <laughs> so I had to change it. Um, Started Brexit, that did, see? That's what happened. Um, hang on, I'm trying to think what I would have what I would erase. I'm trying to think what had a particularly deleterious effect on... Um, was just something that I hated? Or maybe something that I've watched loads of and I wish that I hadn't, so I had that time. Oh, the waste of time thing. But, do you know what? Do you know? Yeah, the West Wing. Really? Yeah. Because wow. maybe I just never put the time in, right? Um, but there's a, there's a great Amy Schumer sketch, which yeah, yeah. like a fucking bang on parody. Have you seen this? Yeah, yeah. Uh, of like, oh, for, you, for your listeners, kind of like, you've got to check out. Yeah. Um, She's but great. It ends with, it's like a perfect parody of his style. And I do like some of his stuff. I love Sorkin, um, yeah. But, uh, but I very much do not love all of his stuff. Because I remember, like, I remember reading this article when um, Studio 60 on, on the, the Sunset, sun, yeah. sunset Shitheap came out at the same time as 30 Rock. And people were right. like, oh, which one of these behind-the-scenes looks at a US talk show uh, mm. will be best? And it's pretty clear what won that contest, right? Because yeah. 30 Rock is now Simpsons-esque in its canon status, mm. whereas... It was, but it was just so pompous. And, like, and, and the end of the Amy Schumer sketch just kind of goes like, this serial has been bestowed upon you by Aaron Sorkin. And, yeah, like, yeah. and it's like, I think it probably influenced a load of people to do, and I say this with zero examples, yeah, yeah. to do super talky... Uh, People walk down corridor being oh, he's super the corridor walk, yeah, yeah. Um, and it makes sense that he wrote the first season in a hotel room in Vegas, like off his nut on cocaine, because that is, it's very, it's just so like, it's a lot of words. It's uh, my missus can't stand talking, and yeah. every time I try and say, no, you'll like this one. Uh, I really liked his film about the um, about the the US sitcom uh, in the fifties. You know, the really big one. Desi, it's a no, fucking Yeah, the Lucille Ball. It's a film all about oh. the making of that. And he did that. That was great. Oh, okay. Right? I haven't seen that. But Studio 60, fuck me. And like the West Wing, I think it was actually fucking damaging the West Wing, is it gives people this sort of ludicrous, like it really reinforces American exceptionalism, hmm. where kind of, where somehow you could be left thinking that the people that run the world's biggest empire are at heart. You know, you know, even though they can be a bit cynical about the media, <laughs> and occasionally there's a snappy rejoinder from, I don't know, the Iranian ambassador. Yeah. But mainly, they're a bunch of great guys and gals doing their absolute best. Good for them. Like, it's, it's aged poorly, I think. that you would bring back oh bring back so something that already exists oh, sorry that did exist Maybe got cancelled and then yeah uh, you can either bring back something recently that got cancelled you like or something from your childhood that you think I could do with a reboot there was a show I really liked when I was a kid called Archer's Goon huh right and it was quite surreal and it was all it was about this I think kid in the I remember doing this playwriting course once and the, yeah. um, and, the and the teacher explaining like you can do stuff you can set your play yeah. Over like hundreds of years, if you want, 
mm-hmm. you know, different scenes happening in different centuries. And you can set it over thousands of different continents. Wait, well, you know, lots of different locations. Sounds like the film of... The Fountain. <laughs> <laughs> you can do that. Yeah, yeah. And, it's, uh, and, you know, and it can work great, yeah. you know. Or, you know, you can do something where you have it all set in one location, uh, but over hundreds of different years. Yeah. You know, it could be super exciting. Go like, yeah. oh, look, oh, the, it examines the changing role of the church. And like, boring, but whatever. Or, but basically, so like, you, kind of, you have a really powerful example where it's all in real time, it's all in one location, yeah. and, like, and, there's, and there are no cuts. Arches Goon, I, all of that boring preamble was just by way of saying like, it was all set, I think, in one summer holidays. Yeah. And it was all a kid maybe like 10 or something, and so it had that sort of otherworldly feel. Like that a summer holiday can have, like where it's sort of a time outside of time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so it has so it's, so it's very heightened consequence, but also somehow detached from everything else. And it's sort of that the whole town is run by these different kind of mythic kind of entities that are sort of a little bit like crime families. So like, so the water board is sort of all powerful and controls all water and everything it can right. do. And I don't honestly remember it very well, but I remember great performances. I think it's probably based on a book, so that's probably why I didn't do more than one series. But kind of like, it was quite spooky. For a kid. Not like it's scary, but sort of unsettling. Hmm. It was a bit like Utopia, but for kids. <laughs> where you'd be kids. like, ooh, yeah. oh, well, what, oh, what if that thing was a thing? It made you look at everything that you thought you knew again. Yeah. You know? Um, I thought that was great. Harcher's Goon. Never heard of it. Let's talk about BBC Archive instead. Probably loads of stuff like, from that era that... Well, it's probably preserved now. Hmm. Like, but, you know, I can't remember who gave the order to uh, to burn so much of the BBC archive. And I do love stories when um, they're all gone, but we've got a million pictures of coffee. You know, <laughs> <laughs> when they, they release some, yeah. you know, when the BBC like de- releases something, and you get all these ha- memos and that very distinctive font that they had mm. oh, of yeah. these like public school dickheads. It's like stuff going like. Um, I think there's no future for these the Beatles, a vulgar quartet who are yeah. surely not going. And you know, it's all people sort of trying to waft their classical educations in the face of mm. the proles. Kind of, like, I don't know what's best for them. Yeah. Kind of like, what would Lord Reith say? <laughs> yeah, I do. I love that stuff when those stories come out. See you guys. They'll stay in. <laughs> so we're on the deck of a sailing ship. shit that you like? That's a good question. Um, the worst shit that I like. You know uh, it's trash. I'm but... aware I'm coming across as a really pretentious guy no, no, in this, no, by no. the way. I'm going to own that. I'm going to own that. The bits of Gogglebox I saw are quite liked. I didn't like the celebrity one because they, and my girlfriend watched that because you can't, you can't trust it. Mm. Kind of like, you know, oh, was, no offence to but he's on at the same time as me, this fringe, and he's absolutely slaughtered me for taking really? a passing trait. No, I'm sure he's a lovely man, but like, he and his wife have watched something moving. Are they really wiping away to... Oh, is he not? Oh, OK. <laughs> um, but, like... <laughs> Uh, no, you should just do a... I definitely listen to a podcast that's called, like, here's a list of who's a... Beep. And you get people on and they talk about... Beep. And, then they, and then the full disclosure guest episode, episode, guest host is going, like, well, well here's why you're... Um, I, I, I say that. I can, can give you a list after this of every single comedian that's be in the credits for the episode. And who hasn't? And ones that haven't. The ones like Mark Dolan, who was just so nice when he was here with me. So nice. Such a nice guy. Yeah. Lovely guy. I don't get it. I don't know what's happening. It's blowing my mind. He's he always been... Glasses. He's the nicest man... To deal with, like I haven't been in ages, yeah, yeah. so yeah, lots That's of people are sort of kind of a bit sad. It's an act. It's an act. 
It's a coin act, right? I suggest we swerve this particular question and get back to the subject in hand. So what's the, what's the uh, worst TV show that you actually like? The worst TV show that I actually like. Again, the news. Terrible production <laughs> values, kind of. If I had been fucking, news. if I'd been done over by Chris Morris and Amanda Yanucci twice, <laughs> if I if I was an institution and I'd been the day to day and then brass eyed, it'd be like, well, there's like the whole industry must have gathered around and coming like, well, we've been fucking done here, lads. Mm. Kind of like like from the style to the content to everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Should we improve our game? Nah, kind of like, same. Yeah, keep that music from the year 2000 going. <laughs> 23 years. Dun, 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 dun. I remember when that first came out. I said, "Oh, really? Does feel like we're in the future now, doesn't it?" <laughs> BBC News 24, just in time for Iraq. It's the worst trash that I watched. For me, it would be Married at First Night Australia. It's awful. It's People shit. say that it's, it's oh, terrible. You know but me what? and my wife get hooked on it every fucking year, like yeah. morons. That's a brilliant example <laughs> because I've heard so much about that. It sounds. <laughs> I heard someone say, like, if you're prepared to suspend your moral compass for three months, absolutely, <laughs> then you will be entertained. Um, no, I think, yeah, I think my answer is, and I can't distinguish all the different Gordon Ramsay products, right? right? No, who can? But it's the one, it's one of the American ones, and it's really compelling, but I think hugely damaging to the human mind, right? Right, because they just. You know that thing they're supposed to say about that kind of, oh, the Native American tribes, um, yes, they would hunt, but they would use every single part of the buffalo carcass. Oh, right, right, right. And kind of like, we've gone in there to like, sparring's okay on the podcast, right? Yeah, yeah, of yeah. course. He's gone in there to cunt off a family business who are kind of like, oh, right, right, who right, are right. struggling, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, it's kitchen line as you're saying. That's be. the yeah, one. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Something will happen like, Gordon says, this is unfucking acceptable. Or it's fuck unceptable fuck. Or kind yeah, of like, yeah, he has to do little variations. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, but they just, they ring so much out of the carcass of every tiny yeah, incident yeah. where they're kind of like, uh, oh. So it'll cut to someone who's you kind of go like, and I couldn't believe what was about to happen next. And it cuts to Gordon going like, I was about to go crazy. And yeah, someone yeah. else goes like, poof. Gordon Shorty get crazy yeah, and, the uh, and then it actually shows the thing it takes four seconds and it's like a pan falls on the floor yeah, yeah, and nothing. Gordon goes fuck sticks and he goes I couldn't believe it he said fuck sticks so but just this one tiny instant they do this little kernel they, they blow into like they do it like minutes. it's fucking Rashomon yeah, where you yeah. get it from 18 different angles yeah, kind of yeah, like, yeah, I'm sorry yeah. I don't interview the fucking pan kind of going like ah oh. And I was like, I couldn't believe Gordon said fucksticks, but I am a pan. They you know. extrapolate it out to this giant thing. Like, do you ever see that sketch by Mitchell and Webb called I've come for a present for my aunt. He's come for a present from his aunt. What will he buy? I've come for a present for my aunt. And they just, they just yeah, go it sounds like that. Kind of like, kind of, and now, we, now they're going to cut to the guy, Vinny, who works in a sanitation plant that's cleaned up some of the shit that came through the system yeah. from someone who ate some of the food that was prepared in that pan. Yeah. And Vinny's like, I, this is the first time hearing of this, but it uh, sounds unbelievable. Go on. Like, this is the worst fucking kitchen I've ever been in. And he, you, every time you go to freezer, it's the most disgusting one they've ever seen. Yeah, every yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. But for me, it's when he like you see him walking away from the restaurant, but you know it can't leave because it's only ten minutes in. I wish after he left each one, it just exploded behind him. I'm like, oh, you kill these people, Gordon. Like, like, no, there's a tweet I loved. I can't remember what it did, and they described it beautifully about like Gordon sat in the restaurant. He sees Bigfoot walk into the kitchen. Fucking hell, darling, darling. Calls over waitress, darling. Is Bigfoot the chef in this restaurant? And she goes, ah, oh, I need to check. Uh, and then, yeah, just about, and then, and then, but you know, if Bigfoot was the chef in the restaurant, yeah. they'd spin that out for a thousand years. So they're actually interviewing like someone, uh, a Nepalese herder, kind <laughs> yeah. of going like, Bigfoot is now running a family trattoria in New Jersey, Syracuse, <laughs> New Jersey.
That's actually where um, a character in a Philip North novel was tossed off under a table. It was a deeply moving moment in the yeah. scheme of the things, and it's in the alternative history where the Nazis won. <laughs> there you go. That was That's great. a novelistic flourish. <laughs> Loved it. That's brilliant, man. Well, thank you for doing this pod. Uh, uh, absolute pleasure, outside. man. It's a bit weird. I mean, just met you. Thanks so much. No, lovely. Thanks for having me, no man. No worries, man. See you later, man. See ya. Bye. Bye. Fantastic comedian, really fun guy, really good show. You need to check him out. Find out where he's playing online and go and see him. And I hope to see his show again next year in Edinburgh if I get up there. Of course, I'm getting up there. I'm going to be maybe doing something quite special, but we'll talk about that later. We'll talk about that later. So let's get on to our outro track. Now, because last week I played the song Lost in the Game, which featured Ethan Alley on backing vocals, uh, I mentioned that we did an album called 1117 uh, later in that same year. I think it was uh, 2009. Now, this song comes with a story. This is one of the songs from that album. It's called Roxy's Vamp. All the lyrics are written by Aoife, not written by me, but all the music is written by me. And I say written by me in the uh, slightest way because it is clearly a massive James Bond ripoff. The whole point was I wanted to turn a song into a kind of 40s kind of, I don't know, like a club song. And then as we were making it, I realised, oh, this would make a great Bond song. So it's kind of like a demo for a Bond song. I think it needs more to it. But the point was, once we realised that, I thought, right, I am going to get this to those people. Somehow, by hook or by crook, I'm getting this to Barbara Broccoli. Now, my initial plan was to meet with whoever I could get that was associated with Bond. And luckily, I was on tour with a show, and that show's wardrobe mistress knew the wardrobe mistress of whatever show uh, Judy Dench was doing in the West End. So uh, one afternoon between shows, it was a matinee, I got on my motorbike from Woking and I zoomed into the West End and I met Judy Dench in her dressing room. And I played the song for her and I gave her a CD single uh, to give to Barbara and she said well I can't promise anything darling but you seem like a nice boy and uh, you know and apparently she played it in her open top car on the way home which whatever that means but um, apparently she loved the song anyway nothing happened with that so it got closer and closer to another Bond film being made whichever one it was and I thought well I've got to get it to this broccoli lot right so where do they film Pinewood so at the time I I had been a delivery driver, pizzas, I'd done, uh, you know, career work and stuff like that. So I knew how to sort of dress for the role. So I got a hold of a high-vis tabard, I put that on, I made a clipboard of various deliveries around London, which I hadn't been doing, which were all signed for in different signatures. And I looked on uh, whatever it was online, not IMDb, but I was trying to work out what was being filmed there. And at the time, it was one of the Captain Americas. And I found a name of someone in production, and I made a pretend delivery to that person. And I said, it has to be signed for by them. So I got waved in at the gate, uh, parked my bike at the studio car park and wandered straight into Pinewood. Uh, That person's, uh, wherever they were, didn't matter because I was never delivering that. Inside was a CD for Barbara Broccoli. So after a wander around, I did actually come across her parking space and it clearly said her name, Barbara Broccoli, on a a post. So I inserted the package um, into the top of that in hope that she would find it. Of course, it did nothing at all, but I had a lovely day wandering around, uh, spotted a few actors filming stuff. It was really, really fun. Saw one of the uh, Pirates of the Caribbean films being made, whichever one that was. And I had a lovely day just wandering around, and I didn't want to leave. I stayed in the canteen for a while, sat on the steps from extras. I just had a really nice time. And, you know, I definitely overstayed my welcome, but I zoomed home thinking, you never know what's going to happen with the song. Nothing happened with the song, nothing at all. 
brilliant lyrics by Aoife. Pretty good music by me, I guess. It's, it's, it's a production. It's, a, it's like a clearly a demo for a Bond song. And you never know. Uh, maybe someone will hear this and will get commissioned because they've had some fucking stinkers over the years. Anyway, so this is <laughs> my big Bond pitch. It's about three I've had so far in my life, but this was the big one. Uh, this is called Roxy's Vamp. Lyrics by Aoife Nally. Music by Steve Oriskun. Come on, take my picture and pin me to the page. I'll meet your thousand flashes Fearless center stage You can always buy a copy But it's then that you will find You'll never really understand The workings of my mind I'm the itch you long to scratch I'm the sneeze that never comes And when you're feeling wicked I'm the prick Inside the haystack You're always searching in I'm the image in full color In your world of black and white I'm the one in three dimensions If the angle is just right You can only catch the pieces You will never see the whole Of the dark and hidden labyrinth The vastness of our other than the Bond movie, right? I remember doing two more in the sort of 90s. Maybe I'll dig them out and let you hear them at some point. But that's the best version of any kind of Bond song that I ever was involved in. Anyway, thank you so much for listening this week. And next week we'll have another guest. And please follow the show. Leave a lovely review if you can be bothered. But tell people about it. I need the listeners. Come on. And we're going to be starting a tip jar next week so people can leave the price of a coffee for every time they listen. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? I'll be coffeeed out my mind. Hopefully. Anyway... Thanks for listening. See you next week.